0: Well, oh, good. Good day, uh, church family. Uh, this is going to be an exciting little study. Um, uh, we just finished the book of Esther, and I thought it would be great for us to, um, for the next two weeks, uh, focus, kind divert our attention just to, uh, a little bit on um, what, if it, what does it actually mean to be a genuine Christian? Uh, specifically, um, I want us to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Um, the Fruit of the Spirit is a, is a great book in terms of giving us a contrast between what living in the world looks like versus living in the flesh. Uh, living in the flesh versus living in, in, in the faith. Uh, there's these two different um, lifestyles, are, um, from an you know, objective standpoint, those who follow Christ and those who follow the world. Um, so that's what I want to go through. I want us to really check our own hearts, see where we're at. Uh, a lot of ways. Um, being sheltered in place, leaves very little room for accountability. You know, we don't get to see one another. We don't really get to serve with one another. So there's, it's hard for us to discern, even uh, ourselves or other people. Uh, but more, most importantly, uh, I want us to focus on our own lives to see whether or not we truly are walking closely with the Lord and what does that look like in our lives practically. So before we start, I want to just read this text, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And, pray and hope that he can bless our study so I'll actually start um, from Galatians 5, verse uh, 16 to 26, but then we're only going to cover um, for the next two weeks just verse 22 to 24, but just to give us some context of where things are at. So Galatians 5, verse 16, when I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, envy, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this Of which I forewarn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to, to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Does not become boastful of one another, uh, challenging one another, envying one another. Let's go to Lord's prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us for the next uh, two weeks to just go over this um, very familiar text of the fruit of the Spirit. And we ask that as you, as we go through each of the uh, fruits of the Spirit, that we that you humble our hearts and make us see where we need to grow in. And even if we aren't exhibiting any of these, that you can and that you make our hearts uh, feel convicted that we probably need to be uh, made right with you, Lord. Lord, thank you for allowing us to study and meditate in this short devotional. We praise you in your Amen. When Kelly and I were uh, living in L.A., there was this one particular spot that we loved to visit. It was this outdoor mall called the Americana. And uh, we lived in North Hollywood, and uh, the Americana was about uh, maybe 15 minutes away from where we lived, and we loved that place. It was just, uh, just, you know, it was an outdoor mall, so we get to get some sunshine, we do some shopping, and, um, uh, but what's really cool is it's very festive. They're really, uh, depending on the the time of the year, uh, things, uh, they'll they'll decorate, they'll go all out decorating the place. Uh, And every Christmas... uh, there is a tree that's the, it's kind of like in the middle of the square, and this is a huge Christmas tree. Um, and if you were to look at this tree, this large tree with all the ornaments, you at least think that this tree must have been there all year. Uh, before all of us that are native, in the sense that we live near that area, uh, we knew that this is not so, that, there, that this tree is fake. Uh, it just kind of just, they chopped down some trees somewhere else, they brought it into the middle of the square and they planted it. And, uh, they, and they, well, by planting, they just really kind of prop it up and they just put all of these lights on it. But next to the trees, though, next to this one giant Christmas tree, there are actually, there are actual trees, these little tiny trees that are actually rooted in the ground. You would see, uh, depending on the time of day, like different groundskeeper will go and water this the, those trees. And those things are actually uh, trees that stay there uh, for all year long. When I think about a fake Christian and a true Christian, I think about the contrast between these two trees. There are some Christians that are only seasonal Christians. And what I mean is not just those what we call CEO Christians, like Christian uh, um, Christmas Easter only Christians. Uh, I mean they're just in the life of the church. Inevitably, you'll see people come and they may be the most uh, servant-hearted, uh, they might have all of these uh, f- seemingly fruits in their life, but they're really just like a Christmas tree. They have all these nice, beautiful ornaments, but when the season is over, so are they. And yet there's At the same time, there are those that are in the church, that are actual trees, that are planted. In, it. in the same way that in Psalm chapter 1 talks about uh, the, the tree planted by the river, I think it gets nutrients, that those are some of the people that are that are there in the church, uh, no matter whether the church is going through good times or bad times, their faithfulness is not to the church itself, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Although these two trees, you know, they're, uh, they're trees that are uh, fake, that have ornaments that make it seem as so though they have fruit. Uh, you understand that sometimes those ornaments look like fruit, but they're not genuine fruits. And at the same time, there are some trees that are genuine fruits and um, they come and they go. Uh at least fake trees go, and while uh, tr- true, real trees last forever. Uh, there's a really contrast in scripture that we see, what will last and what will fade, uh, what is genuine and what is a false Christian. That's why I want to uh, go through the fruit spirit in the next two weeks. We're not actually going through any of the fruit spirit today, because usually you know, the first uh, of the Monday ones, I kind of just give like a big overview um, of what we're going to do. Uh, but I'm sure you're probably wondering why the fruit of the spirit, why are we going over the, uh, this, this, this portion of scripture? Well, Christians are called to be vessels of the gospel. People will see us, uh, I guess in our context, um, maybe you, uh, are at home. So I guess the way that w- when the way people read our tweets, or when they look at our Instagram posts or our Facebook posts, there should be something different about us. Um, I think over time, uh, you know, scripture script tells us that what comes out of at the outflow of the heart, the mouth speak. And I think the same way outflow of the heart, a person tweets, a person posts, whatever it may be, is a reflection of what's going on in their hearts. And when you post these things or when you engage people online, uh, whether it's uh, just with posts or even like with things like Zoom or whatever, is there a fragrance of Christ? Do people know that in the way that you live, that you actually are a follower of Jesus Christ? Is there something about you that makes you so distinct that people know that you are a follower of the Lord? Second Corinthians two fifteen tells us that for we are the fragrance we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who, who are being saved and those who are perishing, to those an aroma from death to death and to aroma from life to life. Uh so Paul here is writing that uh if you are a fragrance of Christ, it does two things. To two different types of people. there are believers that are, are watching your life, they'll be encouraged uh, to continue to live faithfully. Um, and on the flip side, if there are non-believers in your life, uh, when they look at your life, they won't have nothing to do with it, because it's dis- it's disgusting. To them. They hate Jesus Christ, and they hate the fact that you live for him. So, so as Christians, we should have this effect on other people. As we live out our life, there are going to be people that are being, going to be drawn to Christ, and there are those that are going to be drawn away from Christ. Now, understand that in our church, um, people must see uh, that as Christians collectively are meeting in the church or wherever, um, or whenever we get to do that, they must see that we are a collective group that are different from the world. Um, God dismantles uh, every um, social structure or or even our idea of, of um, Racial structures or anything that um, the world defines us, any type of hierarchy, it it gets checked at the door. In fact, that's what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. This isn't to say that those things go away, but just that the way that you treat one another is so distinct, it's different. Um, you don't look down on those who are slaves and you don't um, look uh, up at those with a different ethnicity or you don't look down or, uh, or you praise those or show favor. to so those are different social class. All of those things get checked out the door because the way that we interact with one another must be filled with love. And what must be and, and that and through that, uh, the world looks at our looks at the church and thinks it's super weird. You know, world always tries to find ways to kind of replicate things of the church without, but but by by doing so without God being in the church, they do it by um, having group meetings, have all of these different um, type of events to try to show um, a command, like a group of people collectively meeting uh, some sort of common bond or fellowship, but they do it without God. But uh, in the end. They act like the world. Uh, they act like the world inside and outside the church, or inside their, their meeting places. And as Christians, we should be consistent with our with our Christian life. The way that we are inside and outside should draw people to wonder why are these people like this. Uh, so, two questions to consider for our for as we go through go into the uh, the fruit of the Spirit is this. One question you want to ask yourself is: Am I making the gospel attractive? Does my character make people want to believe? And this is not even, we're not even talking about like your ability to articulate the gospel or your ability to defend the gospel or anything like that, but strictly your character. Because there are a lot of people that could defend the faith, but they but that live in moral lives. There are people that are real eloquent with their speech, and they're really articulate. Um, but those are not the things that draw people to the Lord. Very rarely would you ever see someone say that, oh, the reason why I came to know Jesus Christ is because someone out-debated me. If that was like what it takes for people to come to know Christ, there would be a lot more Christians. But that's not the case. Oftentimes people come to know the Lord because they, because of faithful Christians living holy lives before them. And they see the love of Christ, and they're, they're, and they're just intrigued by that love. Um, so is this is you. Are you someone that is... Uh, are, you, are, you, are you attracting people to the gospel? And we love other people because we understand that's who Christ is. He loves us first, Therefore, we need to love other people. And that love is not the way that the world defines love. And we'll look at that tomorrow when we uh, get to the first fruit of the Spirit, which is love. So the first question you ask yourself is, am I making the gospel attractive with my life? And second, when we look through the fruit of the Spirit, actually, is this what I look like? Is this what I look like? Um, does, does this define my life now, both in private and public? Uh, does it reflect uh, our Savior? Um, is there any evidence of faithfulness? Um, and the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's a result of salvation. This isn't something that you work for in order to um, obtain salvation, but this is a result of what the Lord has already done inside of, your, inside of your life. In fact, this whole book is not about works-based salvation. It's about the fact that you're saved and then that produces fruit. Oftentimes, um, you know, the people, the, the, the Jews, The Judaizers, in the context of Galatians, was going into the church and terrorizing them, telling them that, okay, you could believe in this Jesus thing, but you also need to do all of these works. And Paul, in the context of Galatians, tried to tell them, no, that doesn't save you. Your work doesn't save you, but that doesn't mean that your faith doesn't produce any works. Um, So uh, that's what Paul tried to get at here uh, toward the end of Galatians, is show them that, yeah, you're not saved by works, but your faith should produce works. Um, and look, some of us, when we look at this list, you can have an outward habit of these things, but there is no interchange of hearts. Just look at this list. Love, joy, peace, patient kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Some non-Christians can exhibit these things, but they're doing it out of, um, you know, they're just doing it out of the flesh. They, they think it's out of um, obligation that they do these things, but it's not a genuine change because of the Lord is working in their life. Um, so that's what I want you to think in terms of what does, how does the Bible define these terms in terms of what the fruit of spirit is. Because there are people that are, you know, they, they, their natural presupposition might be they might be patient, but that doesn't mean that they're saved. Uh, so you need to know in your own life as a believer, am I doing this as a reflection of who my Savior is? Because when the non-believer shows self-control, when the non-believer shows kindness, they're trying to point people to themselves and look at all and try to make people see all these positive virtues. But for us, when we are living um, in the Spirit, we point others to Christ. Um, and where we derive our ability to do these things is because the Holy Spirit works into our lives. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And you'll notice just in the beginning, this is the, but the fruit, it's a singular term. It's indivisible, uh, it means that it's, you can't compartmentalize certain attributes. Um, there shouldn't be people in the church that think to themselves, well, I have patience, and I'm gonna have someone else be kind. Or that, oh, I'm really good at faithfulness, but I can't ha- do any, uh, I have no self-control. These fruit are all one. Uh, they, uh, the, you can't be a lopsided Christian. Uh, you must exhibit all of these to a certain uh, degree. Some may be harder for you to do, but you should have, to a certain degree, measure of degree, each and every single one of the fruit here. Because if you don't have them, then there's a chance that you might not even be a believer. Um, you might not be a genuine believer. In fact, if you uh, exhibit only some of them, and not all of them, you might be like that Christmas tree. they just have some ornaments hanging. You, know, you might have this false assumption that, oh, look, I have patience, but I don't have I have zero kindness, I have zero self-control, but look at all the other things that I have. Shouldn't you just look at those? No, because as a Christian, we should have all of these things because this is all that is of our Savior. So those are the two questions that I want you to kind of keep in the back of your mind as we go through the fruit of spirits. Am I making the gospel attractive by exhibiting these fruits? And and the second, uh, is this what I look like? Do I have each and every single one of them? Um, and if not, then why not? Um, so as we go through the study, I hope that this be encouragement uh, to all of us to really check our own hearts, to see where we stand with the Lord. Second Corinthians 13, 5 tells us that we need to test ourselves to see we're in the faith. And one way we can test ourselves to see is if we look at this list, for example, or even if you want to go back, look at the fruit of the flesh, and which one uh, defines you more? And maybe a way for you to um, have this be more fruitful for you is to find find someone to maybe you don't have to listen to this these two weeks podcast together um, but you can just um just ask them you know do I show in my life do I exhibit these attributes um, so that's one of my challenges uh, for all of us is that we strive to live life that is pleasing to the Lord, that we reflect how God wants us uh, to represent him in this life. So I hope that this would be encouraging to all of us. Uh, It's definitely convicting for me as i think through this list that um, that I do want to grow more in each and every single area. So I hope that you'll join me in that way. Okay, thank you for listening. I look forward to going through the study with you in the next two weeks. Thanks.